Well, it's been a while since I've spoken to you, but I wanted to talk to you tonight about something that God gives to us that helps to explain who he is. It helps us find comfort and encouragement in times of distress and, and trials, which, you know, we've been promised trials and not promised a rose garden. So this life is going to be full of trials and we know why they are and we know what the purpose of them are. That's not the purpose of this sermon. But I wanted to talk to you about that. I gave this sermon a while back, about 11 months ago, and I had a difficulty in my life that uh, I needed to uh, find foundation, good footing on. And Psalm 23 helped me do that, helped quite a bit, helped me see. We all we think about it as being a psalm that we use for, for funerals. <laughs> it's typically given at funerals. Well, that's true. But when you really look into it, there are so much more that reveals what God is really about and how he takes care of his people, his sheep. And so I want to I want to talk about that tonight. That's that's what my and I and I I have to break this into two parts. So I'm going to do the first three verses tonight. And the next time I speak, I'll do verses four, five and six. <clears throat> so let's turn to Job 14 first. Uh, we all know that uh, we hit low spots in depression and tragedies. Uh, you know, we hear about those. We have prayer requests, uh, sorrows. We have suffering. Uh, you know, and then we have our high spots, you know, we have our health and we have good times, <laughs> but it seems to be that we focus on this more <clears throat> in those times when we're down. So Job 14 and verse one reminds us that man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. And that's really encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> but that's, that's what we are all about. That's what we have, uh, come into this life and God has planned it that way for a purpose. So if you turn back in Job to Job 5, Job 5 verse 7, he reminds us a little bit more about this. He says, yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Have you ever sat around a campfire at night and poked the fire after the coals start? And as it starts getting down to coals and you poke it and all these sparks go up. Just as the sparks go upward, we can be sure that we'll have trouble in our life. Well, why is that encouraging? Why is that positive? Because Psalm 23 tells us that we have a good shepherd. We have a chief shepherd that takes care of us and has our back always. And that is encouraging. There's nothing more encouraging than being able to really focus on that in good and in bad times. <clears throat> Well, it, you know, these things stop our forward motion sometimes, and it takes us a while to get our footing and get back going again. So what do we do? What do we do when that happens? We look to God. We look to his word. And we find comfort. If you turn to 1 Corinthians, so I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, we find comfort in Christ and in, in God. Sec, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, he tells us who he is. In verse three, he says, let's look at two. He says, grace and peace be to you from God, our father. It comes from God, our father. Grace comes. We, we just went through grace. Uh, we've done two sessions in Bible study on it. It is an amazing subject. It's unbelievable. So that grace 
and peace accompanies that grace be to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in tribulation in order that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trial. And there's a reason for those that tribulation. So we can be giving that back, giving that com comfort and mercy back to others, bearing one another's burdens, helping the family of God, helping the other in the flock and the sheep in the flock, helping one another. <clears throat> Though the, through the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, and then he says, for the to the degree that the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. You can go ahead and read that section. It's very good. So he gives us that encouragement, who he is, what he sits on. He sits on a, a throne of comfort and mercy. And in uh, John 14, I'm going to turn there real quickly. John 14, you probably know this scripture, 26. <clears throat> He says, and it's interesting how comfort and peace are hooked together throughout the Bible. That'd make a good study and a good message. Verse 26, but when the comforter, and that word is paraclesis, and that word is the Holy Spirit, comes, when it comes, even the Holy Spirit, which the Father will stand in my name. Again, it comes from the Father through Christ to us. We're the recipients of it. And to show glory back to God, how do we do that? How do we show glory back to the Father? He glorifies us. He gives us grace. How do we show him that we're thankful? By caring for one another, by showing others grace, then we glorify God. We help uh, give that grace and that glory and that witness. We praise him. We thank him in all times. Paul said in every situation whether he's in good times or bad times. And Paul went through some tough times. He says, but with the comfort, the comforter comes, even the Holy Spirit, which the Father will send in my name. That one shall teach you all things and shall bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. Then he says, peace, peace in times of trouble because of the Holy Spirit, because of the comforter. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not fear. Okay? Very important. He doesn't intend for us to be fearful. That's the opposite of God's, uh, God's um, character. He doesn't want us to be anxious or worried. So we're not alone in this. The Bible, we go to God's word, we go to God, and we're not alone in this. We uh, think about the examples in the Bible, just a few. Elijah, Elijah, he did, he did a, a, an amazing thing in there with, with the, the prophets of Baal, but then he ran for his life from Jezebel. He was scared, he was worried, he got in the cave, you know, and, and God had to coax him back out. But he was running from Jezebel. He had troubles. Uh, Job, we just saw. Job lost everything, didn't he? Lost everything. He had a lesson to learn. And when he learned the lesson, God blessed him even greater than he had before. 
but God was always there with him in that in that trial and that trouble for a purpose. Everything works for the good of the sheep, all God's children. And then Christ, Christ, of course, our, our uh, main, our, our, our number one example, if you will, was a man called a man of sorrow, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, let's turn to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Christ certainly went through an awful lot. You can read the entire book of Isaiah 53, and you'll see just that. But let's just read one through six. Give us an idea of who, what, what Christ went through, what our, our chief shepherd, our example. He's the one we look to. He's the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. It tells us in 1 Peter 5. He's the good shepherd also. He says, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, it's revealed to us, isn't it? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, speaking of Christ, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness that we should look upon him, nor beauty that we should desire him. He was just basic, plain, just an average looking man. He is despised, now here we go, and rejected of men. A man of sorrows throughout his entire life and acquainted with grief. And when we go through grief and we go through sorrow and we go through tribulation and trials, we know that he's already done that. And he's sitting at the right side of, of God on, at, beside him at the as our high priest, at the uh, entrance to the Holy of Holies and our advocate and our mediator and our example going through what we went through before for us. He says, and hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our infirmities and by his stripes we're healed. Peter talks about that, Peter too and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, once again, here's peace, was upon him. And with his stripes, we ourselves are healed. Like all, all we like sheep have gone astray. Hang on a second. We have turned each to his own way. Well, that's what happens if you don't turn to God and, and look to God. When you're in trouble, if you don't go right to God on your knees and ask God to help you, to get you out of that, ask for his grace, his mercy, his comfort. Repent, turn, and go back to him. Be justified and made right before God, and God grants us repentance, and then we're seen as Christ as righteous as Christ, not our righteousness, of course. But if you don't go through that, then what happens is we each turn to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, he was oppressed and afflicted. We're, we'll stop there. You go ahead and read the whole chapter. So this is our high priest. This is Christ. But you remember, too, that he went through all this for us. Again, Looking at Psalm 23, we're going to look at that 
and how that psalm is so encouraging, even though we use it at funerals and we think about it in this in the context of, of death or sorrow or suffering or, you know, look at it. We're going to see it in a different light tonight, I hope. So let's look at Hebrews, Hebrews 13 or rather 5, 8. One of the reasons why I'm, I won't be belabor this, but Hebrews 5 and verse 8. One of the reasons for this, and I certainly learned this. Verse 8, it says, <clears throat> let's see if we should go up one here. No, verse 8, although he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And having been perfected through these difficulties, being perfected, Christ had, went through all that. We just read all that he went through, and he was perfected once he re reached the throne, once he was changed, he was spiritually, he was perfect. Well, we are being perfected through those same sufferings and trials. He became the author, the author, that's where we get eternal salvation to all those who obey him. And again, he learned obedience through suffering. So if we're going to learn that, we have to learn to hang in there, um, let's go up to Matthew 20, 24. Just it talks in the context. This is the Olivet prophecy. The verse eight. Now is the beginning of sorrow. So we're we're entering into a time uh, that's going to be difficult. Okay. Then he says in verse thirteen, the one who endures all of this. The beginning of sorrows, all of this that's coming, the one that endures to the end, that one shall be saved. Okay? Endurance. And he gives us the tools to do it. He gives us all the tools, beginning with the Holy Spirit. And then grace, all the elements of his character that he gives to us to help us along the way. All right, let's go ahead and, and get into, uh, let's go to one, one other thing. Let's go to Psalm 100 and see how Christ, Christ sees himself as the shepherd of the sheep. And the sheep belong to God the Father. It doesn't belong to anyone else. Jesus Christ and God the Father. Not any man, no man, no organization. They belong to Jesus Christ and God the Father. I'll read the whole thing. It's very short, five verses. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks. No, look at all the positive here. Worshiping God. Get, test, you know, the, the Protestants talk about, or the Baptists test, testifying and doing a testimonial. Well, that's what you do when you thank God and praise him. Whether you're on your knees or you just sing a bust out in a song, thanking God. Bless his name. That's how you do that. You bless his name. You praise him. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love is everlasting. 
that never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, let's just turn to Malachi, Malachi 3, 4, 6, 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. That's another good book to read. <laughs> okay, we're the sheep. We know the shepherd. The sheep know his voice. Now, we'll talk about that in a little later. And Christ, again, is the chief shepherd, it tells us in, in Matthew, or on John 10. Psalm 23 is an amazing psalm. So what do we do again when we're in these times of grief and sorrow and depression and, you know, all the things that happen to us, these low times in our life? I'll also know this, that this too shall pass. <laughs> it's going to come in and go out as long as we stay close to God and look to God for these things, for the for his goodness. Christ was inspired to give this beautiful section of scripture in the Psalms, many Psalms, but this one, he, just for these times. David was a shepherd, Christ is our shepherd, and Psalm 23 was inspired, David was inspired to write this by the chief shepherd. And it has a lot of significance for us. So we're going to get into that. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Let's go ahead and turn there. Psalms 23. Again, we're going to go through the first three because once I got started writing, I uh, I got way outside the bounds of an hour. <clears throat> um, there's only 118 words here. And there's six verses. But it is packed with encouragement and packed with how the good shepherd or a shepherd, a good shepherd, uh, cares for his sheep. He watches after them. He guides the sheep. He protects them. He encourages them. He cares them. He know, cares for them. He knows them personally and deals with them on a personal basis. And yet they're a flock and he deals with the flock, moves the flock and protects the flock. But he knows them and they know his name. Very important. So we're going to read this whole thing once through and then we'll go back up to the first verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And think about this. Get a, a, a mental picture of this. OK, as we read it, try to place yourself here out in the outdoors with the sheep in a pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful six verses, 118 words. Helps with the tough times. 
when we see exactly how Christ, the shepherd, works with his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. That is, I shall not want. That is the, the key theme through this six verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any need of anything. I don't have any want. I don't worry about anything. I don't want it for anything. God takes care of us before we even knew. Let's turn to Matthew 6. Before we even know that we have a need, God is there. I can tell you about, while we're turning there, I can tell you about, and I have, the tree that I had for two years that started to die, a big tree. I mean, we're talking a major, large tree. <laughs> several hundred years old, right outside my house. And I was worried, concerned. I wasn't worried. I was concerned about how I was going to get it down. Long story short, he provided a way to get it down. I had to put some money out. I got that money back plus another $5,000. So God, he knew he knew what he was going to do before I did. He knew the tree needed to come down and how it was going to come down. And then I was going to benefit from it. So I, I shall not want. I shall not want. Matthew 6. Verse eight, he talks about praying. He talks about this is where the Lord's prayer is. Now then, do not be like them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Then he gives the, the prayer. Our father who is our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name on down through there. We're not going to go through that. So he knows before, before we even have need of it. So let's turn to Psalm 37. The Psalms are full of, you know, David's writings and what God inspired David to do with a heart, man after God's own heart. 37, verse 25. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. I think we all say that, can't we? <laughs> I don't care how old you are. You, today, you're older than you were yesterday, right? <laughs> it seems like we're getting older. We're an older church. We're getting, uh, we're getting up there. <clears throat> I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. All the day long, he deals graciously and lends, and his children are blessed. It's amazing, isn't it? Not seeing the righteous in need of bread. Speaking of that, in World War II, there was uh, when they, when the the Allied army came into Europe and and liberated the, the prison camps, they found that there were children there, and the children and and the young, the, I mean the people that were there, mostly young people, but uh, a lot of older people made it too. But uh, they they couldn't sleep. They would feed them. Of course, they had to gradually give them the food that they needed they could handle. But as they got you know used to that food, they would they would feed them and they couldn't sleep. They couldn't sleep at night and they couldn't figure out why. Why? Well, why can't these people sleep? So they had the idea of giving them after they ate and getting ready to sit, lay down, give them a bread piece of bread that they could just hold that they could hang on to. 
and they were able to sleep because they knew then that they had their their needs fulfilled. Their need was that food. They needed food. That was the main thing in their lives. Water and food. And it worked subconsciously. It let them know that they would have something to eat tomorrow. So God cares for us. He gives us every need, our daily bread, and he is the bread of life. He tells us not to worry. Let's go back to Matthew. Along with that section right after that, six, Matthew 6. And let's go down to 25. He tells you, don't worry about it. I've got you. I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of every need that you have. He says, because of this, I say to you, do not be anxious, worried. Don't be anxious about your life. Put it in God's hands. Trust him. Look to him. He's a gracious God. He wants to take care of you. He doesn't want any to perish. He's always going to be there for you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Be anxious. Don't be anxious about your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body as to what you shall wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? And then he goes to, he says, observe the birds of heaven. They don't sow. They don't reap. They gather in the granaries and your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? And then he goes on and talks about the different he says then he says in uh, 28 why are you anxious about clothing <laughs> why are you so worried about it therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we be clothed for the nations seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take care of the things of itself. Su sufficient for the day is the evil of that day. Knowing that you have your needs fulfilled, knowing that those, those people knew that they had their needs fulfilled, knowing the sheep know that they're going to have their needs fulfilled because they, they're confident and have faith in the shepherd. That today he fed us, tomorrow he's going to feed us. It gives assurance. It gives peace. It gives us rest. He says, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew 11 again. Matthew 11 and verse 28 and 29. Come to me, all you have, all you who labor and are overly burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sheep instinctively know that the shepherd has plans for tomorrow. Grazing on the grass just that they just ate. And he's made plans today for that. And he and he's going to make plans tomorrow for that. 
you know, they know that the, it, it's symbolic. It's not kind of like the, the, the orphans. They know they have that piece of bread in their hand and they have need of nothing. And God knows what they need before they need it. In the same way with us, the good shepherd knows what we need. I could give you several other examples that have happened, but that one with the tree was pretty. Well, another thing that happened with it was a limb fell on the tr the, 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 the 25 year old roof that I have and a uh, big hole, big hole punched right through. OK, so I go up there and I got I'm thinking about, I got to fix this. Well, I call the insurance company to see what they do. And I got them out there. Long story short, again, I got them to pay for the whole roof and I got an extra that was $12,000. I did it for 2000 and I got the rest of the money. I haven't turned it in yet, but I have to do that. But look what he did. Because the tree fell down, or I'm sure he had his hand in it, whether he caused that limb to hit the tree or not, but it hit the gutter too, took out the whole thing. <laughs> he knows those things. So the next one is he leads, he makes me to lie down in green pastures makes me to lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures, not in the dirt, but in the green pastures, nourishment and rest. When I had my heart attack, I, uh, and my second one, I had, I had to lay down. I had to rest. I had to stay in the chair. I couldn't get up. I couldn't move around for two months. No work, forced rest, you know, you heard forced labor. Well, I had forced rest <laughs> and I had to stop and lay down. And like the sheep, the shepherd makes them lay down. They get up early in the morning. In the cool of the morning, the shepherd gets up, gets the sheep up, and he marches them off to the water and to the grass. And they feed all morning long in the cool of the morning. And then when the heat comes out, the sun comes out and heats everything up. The sheep, he takes the sheep back to shade. And they lie down. Now, a couple things happen there. It's that they're in a cool area, the rest in the heat of the day, and they're forced to lay down. But sheep can't digest, or I'm sorry, they can't eat lying down. They have to digest the grass. So they lie down and digest. They chew their cud and digest the grass. He makes them do this, and it's nature's way of digesting. In our, our situation, he makes us stop. He makes us meditate. He makes us contemplate life and the word of God and our situation, God's plan for mankind, what he, how we fit into that and all the things we think about the troubles or the trials or the things we're going through. We think about his word and what he's going to do for us and how he's, we beseech him. We can't do that when we're running around in, in, a, in a hurry trying to do the things, you know, that are laid out for us. We have to find a time to rest and sit down. And God helps us to do that, a shady place. The other thing about laying down, let's turn to Psalm 8. So the interesting thing about laying down is that you're forced to look up. <laughs> you think about that. You're lying down, you're looking up. Now, unless you're laying on your, your face, you know, but on your back, you're looking up. In Psalm 8, uh, David, who wrote this psalm, and Psalm 23, tells us something here. O Lord, our Lord, 
how excellent is your name in all the earth. And David had plenty of time to think, didn't he? You have set your glory above the heavens. And he looked up and he saw the stars at night. And, he, and, and that was something that he looked at every night. How excellent is your name. Your glory is, a, you have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength because of your adversaries to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens meditating, the work of your fingers, just look, go out sometime and just sit in the woods and look. The moon, the stars which you have ordained. He says, what is man? What are we? We're, we're really not a whole lot. That you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him, that you're the shepherd and you care for the sheep. Verse five, for you have made him a little lower than God and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, the fish of the sea, all that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And David had time to think about that because he was looking up. Uh, Psalm 46, another one, another one in Psalms. Again, David, David had plenty of time to do this, and he, he was a man after God's own heart. It's probably uh, just increased his, his uh, love for God, looking at all this, thinking about these things. Let's go to 46, verse 10. He says, be still. Be still. You know, lie down. Another place we're going to see be the still waters. Lie down, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. <clears throat> the Lord of, the, of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So take, take your time, rest. Another in Hebrews 4, 9, he talks about there remains a rest, a sabbatismo for, for God's people. That's both the Sabbath. And if you think in a larger sense, that really is what, being with God is, it's a Sabbath. It is the rest. It's, it's being in relationship, in a family atmosphere with God, the Father, and Jesus Christ as one with them. That's what that, that's where we're headed. Okay. Let's look at Psalm 121. Again, we're, we're looking at some scriptures here in Psalms that David wrote. Thinking about our chief shepherd, thinking about how he cares for the sheep. Psalm 121, verse 5. And these are short, short psalms. You can read the whole thing. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from evil and shall preserve your life. The Lord shall guard your going out and your coming in this time forth and forevermore, even ever forevermore. Not only is he your protector, but he's your making sure that you're in the shade and that you're under the wings of, uh, of the Almighty, uh, the shepherd. Now, that's the, the father and the shepherd. Okay, so there's several other scriptures we could look at here. Um, let me move on. 
Okay, he leads me beside the still waters. Okay, I like this one because uh, the the South Country in Judea is called N E G E B. It's called the dry. Negeb, I think is the word. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it means the dry. It's dry. It's very dry there. And uh, it, even the areas where they know where there's water, it's hard to find at certain times of the year. But the shepherds know where the water is, don't they? They do. Even in parts where the lasting streams are, the living streams, if you want to call it that, uh, they're in, you know, they have to go through gullies and around the hills and the valleys to get to them. Um, and often it's very dangerous for the sheep. And sometimes the, the flow is too low and they can't go there. They can only go in certain areas during the rainy season. So it's very important that the shepherd knows where the still water is. Now, uh, the word still means waters of quietness and the he means um, he leads me beside the still waters, waters of quietness. Now, what happens when they don't have that, when they, they don't have those available to them, and they, they have cisterns sometimes where many of the shepherds will bring their flocks, and they'll have to wait because they just don't mix the flocks together. So what happens is the shepherd will make a sound. He'll make a certain sound, and it's, it's unique to that flock, and they know his voice, and they'll lie down. Uh, John 10 Four tells us that the sheep know his voice. And then he fills the drinking trough and the water comes up and they are no longer worried. They have a place to drink. And so they go in and they drink. Now, if it's in a, in a, in a creek and it's fast flowing, the sheep won't get in. The, they won't get into that water because of the wool. The water will weight them down and they'll, they'll drown. So they're scared of the fast moving water. So what the shepherd has to do is find a bend in the, or dam up the creek and into a pool and slow it down and make it where they can actually come down and, and go right to the water instead of down a hill or whatever. They have to be, he makes that available for them so that they feel comfortable and they can come out. Uh, and then he whistles to them and they come out and, uh, and they drink. They're timid creatures. They're afraid of that swift moving water. They're bad swimmers. They don't swim very well, and that wool will help, will weight them down. So they have to be reassured. They have they trust him, but they have to be reassured. And the shepherd knows uh, the limitations of the sheep, but he won't put them through anything that will harm them. If you think about our shepherd in First Corinthians 10, First Corinthians 10, verse 13, he tells us that. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to mankind. For God, who is faithful, will not permit you to be tempted beyond what you can, are able to bear. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. Okay, so he's got, he knows where you are. He knows where the weaknesses are. He knows what, and he won't put you through something that you can't uh, withstand or endure or take, uh, be successful with, just like the shepherd. Now, if you look at Psalm 121, Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4, he says, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Uh, John 7, again, this is, this is right before the last great day, the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day. And he says something interesting here. If, if you remember John 4, I'll tell you what, let's go to John 4 first. Let's go to John 4. It's the woman at the well the Samaria, in Samaria, Sychar. And he says, give me some water in verse 7. He says, give me some water to her. She's out there at noon, the heat of the day, and the disciples have gone in. It's just the two of them. She says, why are you asking me? You're a, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. So they have an interesting, he makes an interest, inter, interesting exchange. You ask me for a drink. He says, if you'd known the gift of God, if you had known the gift of God, verse 10, and who it is that said to you, give me some water to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is what comes from our shepherd, okay? To us, the sheep, the sheep of God, living water. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it and his sons and his cow? And Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Rather, the water that I give him, him shall become a fountain of water within him, springing up to everlasting life. And she said, of course, give me some of that water. <laughs> give me some of that water. Well, look at, look at Revelation 7. Let's go over to Revelation 7. This again is our shepherd, our chief shepherd, our good shepherd. We are this sheep. This is how he takes care of us. It says verse, um, yeah, verse 16. Let's go to 16. They shall not hunger anymore, nor shall they thirst anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. Neither shall the sun nor the heat fall upon them, because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne, again, it look, he's, he knows both sides of this, doesn't he? He's the lamb and he's the shepherd. That's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and will lead them to fountains of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Isn't that beautiful? He knows. He knows who we are. He knows what we need and he knows how to get it to us. We'll no longer thirst with God's Holy Spirit and become ye therefore perfect, going through the trials and the tough, the tough stuff that we go through in this life, and there's more of it, and it's in different forms, we'll end up, if we endure, at that point, we'll be there with Christ and God the Father. We'll have that water of eternal life, and that water will flow out of New Jerusalem, rivers of water, living water. Now, you know, time at times we're in again, we're in a state. The word despair is interesting because it means without D.E. without. And spara is uh, to hope or spirit. The spirit has gone out of you. Hope is gone. And hopefully we don't get that way, but we stop that. And if the shepherd, if you listen to the shepherd and you're there, he'll take he'll go after the one. He'll go after the one and 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 help them but there's got to be some part on done on our part as well as sheep so we can't 
let ourselves get there. And as other sheep in the flock, we've got to watch one another and care for one another. Uh, let's let's look at uh, let's go to Hebrews, Hebrews 10. What we're doing here tonight, and this is a, a different way of doing it the, from years past, of course. This is the technology that we have. He says in verse 22, verse 21, let's go to 21, Hebrews 10. And having a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach God with a true heart, with full conviction of faith. Our hearts having been purified from a wicked conscience and our bodies having been washed with pure water. Let us hold fast without wavering to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Don't despair. Don't hang. Don't let that happen. Don't let Satan get his foot in the door. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. Guard your emotions. Um, for 24. And let us be concerned about one another. We have a job as in the flock. We have to be concerned and careful one another. Esteem others better than ourselves. Support one another. Comfort. Bear the burdens of one another. Help out. And be stirring up one another to love and good works. What are we stirring up? We're stirring up the Holy Spirit within them. Stir up the Spirit. To good works. That's God in you. The, Christ, the, the Holy Spirit in you doing the works. Not trying to do it yourself. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, even as some are accustomed to do, but rather encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then he goes into the, the pardonable sin. For if we willingly go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice for us, but a terrifying expectation of inevitable judgment and a fierce fire which will devour the adversaries of God, okay? So it's very important. And then in, in, in um, I think it's Peter, Second Peter 3, around uh, 8 or 9, 10, it says, now that you know this, what are you going to do? Now that you know that this is going to happen, in other words, get, get with it, get fired up. So we, we look to one another, we take care of one another, we restore one another's souls, Christ does that in us, but we can help, we can help encourage and, and build up and put, put air back in people. Uh, he says, David said, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me in Psalm 51:11. The shepherd cares. There's a point in the day when the sheep come to over to the shepherd one by one, and he checks them out. He checks over them, their bruises, their cuts, if they have ticks on them, if they've hurt their hooves, if they have uh, anything wrong with them on their nose or whatever, if they've been down eating, they get a, a briar. He, he, he checks them out. And the way he does this is he gets them into a narrow spot where only one sheep can come through and he stands in the way and he turns, he lets one through and he's, he turns back and he looks over that sheep and he does it another one and another one, one at a time. He is the door for them to come through. And then he cares for them, he loves them, he reassures them, and he encourages them. He checks them out, looks them over, and uh, pets them, whispers in their ear, 
strokes them, talks to them, and then lets them go, and he gets the other one. He gives them personal attention. Sometimes we forget about the, the uh, God and what he's doing for us, but he's always starts to get in the way, and sorrow and hurt and guilt, all that is a wound, and it builds bitterness, and the bitterness becomes a root of bitterness. Hurt and anger gets in there, and it can take us away. We need to have our souls restored and our lives revived. Uh, Psalm 119. Another thing that happens when you get into this condition, you wander. Sometimes you may not move in the, geographically, but in your mind, your heart, you stray away. You wander away. You start getting further and further away. And he says, with all my heart, David said, I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Don't let me get out away from you. Don't let me wander away. Bring me back. We're going to have to, um, I think what we'll do is we'll do, in the next part, I'll try to do um, verse 4, 5, and 6. And we'll stop there. But I wanted to give you some of Psalm 23 because it was encouragement to me and it's been encouraging to me. There's so much more I can go through here and I want to give the rest of it to you. So we'll do a part two the next time we speak, that I speak to you. And uh, we'll go over this, remember uh, where we've been and we'll continue on. But uh, God has given David, who was a shepherd, inspired him to write and leave to us the encouragement that he saw in God as the chief shepherd and the good shepherd and very encouraged very encouraging in times of trouble and David was in a lot of trouble out there he had a lot of difficulties and then later on in life he had Saul and he had uh, people were after him to kill him for seven years and then later on he made some mistakes he had trouble with his family David was in it now but, but he always stayed close to God he always stayed close to the shepherd he realized that relationship so what we we do we can understand that relationship as well as we read Psalm 23 and look at the rest of God's word. So I hope that's somewhat encouraging to you, and we'll go through this the next time. Uh, go through the rest of it, uh, four, five, and six the next time.